just jumping in really quickly at the start of today's episode to tell you about some upcoming opportunities to see us live in the flesh. And you can see us live at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival 2024. We are doing three live podcasts on Sundays at 3.30 at Basement Comedy Club, April 7, 14 and 21. You can get tickets at dogoonpod.com. Matt, you're also doing some shows around the country. That's right. I'm doing shows with Saren Jaimana, who's been on the show before. We're going to be in Perth in January, Adelaide in February, Melbourne through the festival in April and then Brisbane after that. I'm also doing Who Knew It's in Perth and Adelaide. Uh, details for all that stuff at mattstewartcomedy.com. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello, welcome to Do Go On. My name is Dave Wanaki, and I'm here with Jess Perkins and Matt Stewart. Hi, guys. Hi, Dave. Warnicky. Hey, Dave. Say it, Matt. Warnicky. Thank you. Great to be Say here. Say it. <laughs> Say my name. Say my name. Um, <laughs> how how are we doing? Feeling pretty good. Had a big old meal. And plenty of feels. I've always got too many feels. Too many feels. For being honest. It's going to be an emotional episode. That was a big meal we just shared. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm um, so emotional. Matt, you doing well over there? Yeah, I'm doing really well. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for asking. Thanks so much about that. How was your meal? It's really good when you check in with me like that because, you know, sometimes I'm like, I just like someone to check in and connect with me and I feel like I've done that there. Jess too. Thank you, Jess. Hey, Jess. Really love to know. uh, Thanks for the physical touch. I'd also, I'd love to know how you're doing. Well, I mean, do you want just my the answer I would give a barista if they said, hi, how are you going? Or what? do you want me do the I, truth? Do I look like a barista to you? Kind of. Yes, with that fucking beard. <laughs> kind of. I've never, like, baristas don't have beards like this. That is such a weird cliche. You're right. All You're the right. baristas I go to, baristas, they um, <laughs> often they're, they're ladies and sometimes they're beardless men. I'd say maybe one in five. Okay. Is beardless. Be- bearded barista. So then, in answer to my question, you just want me to answer you as a friend. Yeah, as a friend. So how am I? Um, as a confidant. As a confidant hmm. uh, with oui. your je ne sais quoi. Yeah. That's a... Tout appelle comment. Um, I am... I'm pretty good. Coup d'état. Coup d'état. Today coup d'état. Today coup d'état. Today coup d'état. I am pretty well. I'm pretty well. I'm a little tired. It's been a big few weeks. Oh, you keep banging on. You've been saying that for weeks. Yeah, I'm always tired. 
But otherwise, I'm pretty great. Thanks so much for checking yeah. out. I wish I we'd gone with the burrito answer. So I really, really do. <laughs> no, what I would, would say your burrito answer have been? I'm pretty tired. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty, <laughs> pretty tired. tired. It's been a long, big couple of months. They're like, hence uh, I need the coffee, you dumb bitch. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right, I see. They didn't say how are it you. It would they also said, include your coffee order. That would be the only difference. Mm, yeah. Make me a skinny <laughs> latte. Stat. One sugar. Thank you. Oh, okay. Skinny latte, one sugar. Got it. Coming right up. Anyway, so it's Dave's turn. It is my turn. Educate us, David. To educate you on a topic. We're going to start with a question. This one's pretty opinion-based. Okay. Before you do, I want to say, I reckon I get more of these right than anyone else. So I'm I'm feeling good about this. We should... Go back and try and uh, mark it up on the board. See how we're doing. I got Y2K, but I was very impressed with oh, that you one. you did get that. Because you just said virus. Yes. Dave and was so, really going down. Mm, I was thinking cholera, AIDS. And then I finally cracked the code. You cracked it. Okay, yeah, all right. Well, we should go back and find out. So you reckon you're going I'm in pretty confident. Good. I'm pretty good at this. No, so. no, you fucked it. Go for it, Dave. All right, question is, who is the... This is like really opinion-based, like I said. Who is the second most famous scientist of all time? So Einstein's number one. That's why I went number one. There's second prob- most there's, there's heaps, depending Doc, on... Doc Brown from Back to the Future. Real person. We've already a done... Doc. We've, we've already, already done... done, done we've done, unbelievably, we've already done a whole episode <laughs> on Back to the Future. Uh, Rick scientist. from Rick and Morty. Oh, no, you said real person. Honey, I shrunk the kids. The real person. Oh, um, oh, this, Pinky in the Brain. You know what this has become? This has become, <laughs> this has become can Matt and Jess name a second scientist? I know. Hey. <laughs> you, okay. You've spotted what yeah. I was trying to do there. <laughs> Cover it up with a joke, but you only know Einstein and no, no one else. All no, I can think of is no. like... Uh, what about the guy who figured out the milk can be boiled? Edison. Uh, See, that's the Graham, ambiguous part is whether Alexander you, Graham Bell. Ah, yeah, inventors. I would say they were more inventors. What's okay, the, well, is it the milk? Picky. What's the milk guy's name? He d- figured out pasteurization. His who? name was Louis Pasteur. Who's who is had that the... him? I want to say. Okay, how about who was the most famous? Famous. famous uh... Who was the mo- who is the most famous? Isaac Newton. Oh, Female yeah. scientist of all time. Oh. I didn't want to have to put that Marie caveat Curie. in there. It, it is Marie Curie. Oh. Fuck you, Matthew. Uh, Do you know who got that? Jess Perkins, one nil. Because you got cocky, you We've never counted before. Also, I guessed Callista Flockhart because I panicked. (laughs) Also, Marie Curie. Yes, Jess? Left-handed. Boom. It all comes back. Boom. And I'm gone. (laughs) Well, you're gone because you're... Well, Matt's gone. You're one nil up. And we haven't counted any other, so you are the winner. My next guess was going to be Marie Curie. No, it wasn't. You're the kind of you guy. You said Callista Flockhart. <laughs> You're I the panicked, kind of guy. But once I <laughs> collected my thoughts. Every time Jess gets one, you immediately think, was, I was about to say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you do. God. You don't claim that. Such a misogynist. Uh, do you guys know anything? <laughs> just like, you're a misogynist and Dave's a Nazi sympathizer and I'm just a little angel over he's here. Not a, he's not a, mis- a misogynist, he's a homogenist or a pasteurist. <laughs> a milk joke. That was a milk <laughs> No, 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 the homogenous was good enough. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. you there. Do you guys know much about uh, Mary Curie? Left-handed. Discovered penicillin? No. <laughs> Discovered invented. That's Fleming. Nothing to do, oh, yeah. Nothing to do with penicillin. Nothing to do with penicillin. I thought she right. had something to do with penicillin. No. She did a lot of great Can stuff. Can you edit that out? <laughs> <laughs> she did a lot of great work um, in the 1800s. Was a woman. Was a woman. Was a woman. Still First name woman. started with M. She's not still a woman. She's a ghost now. Well, a ghost, ghost, ghost have, woman. Ghosts don't have sex. Do they? They don't have genders. 
But they do have sex. They have orgies. No, no, mine would have sex. (laughs) Ghost orgy. But they don't have it with each other. They have it with you while you're sleeping. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The way I understand it is, I don't know anything about any scientist. The way I understand it. But the way I understand it is, (laughs) Marie Curie is like, she probably is, uh, should be more famous than she is. Nothing to do with penicillin, really. (laughs) That's how famous she is. Jess thinks that she's... (laughs) I thought she had penicillin. Well, as soon as you tell me what she did, I'm going to be like, oh. Okay, I'm going to tell you all about it. I've got the She form. did lots of things, though. It wasn't one big thing. Well, no. Many, many. She is one of the most impressive women I've ever read about. But to be... And most to, impressive people, I should say. Just yeah. to confirm, no penicillin. No. Penicillin will not be mentioned. Did she ever take penicillin? No. It was not around yet. <laughs> hmm. Did she discover the cure for meats? <laughs> She cracked the code. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what was so great was his his face was so satisfied, and then we high fived. It was going to be. It, I wasn't <laughs> sure where I was going. You know, started, I like starting a sentence and seeing where it goes. But it, you look so sincere, and then it was like <laughs> I got out of that with a joke. Zing. As soon as you start to talk, there's going to be some point along here. Where I'm going to go, that's what it was. Penicillin. No. <laughs> but like, I'll have been thinking of the other thing. <laughs> it's basically my way of being she, able to get out of it. She's discovered something to, to beginning with P, I'll tell you that much. Uh, but it's pastrami. not... Pens. Pastrami. <laughs> she, <laughs> she discovered pens. She Something's found one pen. in a volcano. Pirates of Penzance. She wrote Pirates of Penzance. Yes. That's right. Gilbert and Sullivan and Marie Curie. That's what they call. That was her pen name. It's Gilbert and Sullivan. Too many. high fiving. Too many high fives. No such thing. Um, oh, do you want me to tell you about it? Nah. <laughs> nah, let's move on. All right. Thanks for stopping by. Good episode. Catch you later. Quick nah, one. Please. Good one. Let's, uh, let's hear about Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. Okay. Let's hear about penicillin. Mar- <laughs> well, we're about to. Two hours of penicillin facts coming up. <laughs> penicillin. Amari <laughs> uh, Curie was born in Warsaw, the then Russian partition of Poland. On November the 7th, 1867. You're right about 1800s there, Matt. 1867. What a good year for wine, cheese, and Marie Curie. <laughs> oh. Put them together. What do you got? A lethal combo. And a, a great d- party. Delicious, yeah. Delicious <laughs> entree. You leave them out overnight. <laughs> leave them out o- meats. Yeah, leave them out overnight. What do you got? Penicillin. Really? That's how they got penicillin from mold. Anyway, her birth name. <laughs> That's true. Her birth name was Maria Sklodowska. 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 That's a great uh, Polish name. She was the youngest of five children born to two very intellectual teachers. Oh. Smart family. Not not too mistaken for dumb teachers. (laughs) No, no, no. Really stressed intellectual. (laughs) No, but they were very intellectual people. They were very intellectual pig farmers. (laughs) Just like my librarian pig farming (laughs) mum. Call back to two weeks ago. Yeah, I don't know if you'll even leave that in. Uh, both sides of her parents' families had lost their property and fortunes through their patriotic involvement in Polish national uprising. P, that, she invented Poland. That's the P word. I'll she invented Poland. Well, it's, that's actually very close to what the answer is going to be. Pol- nail polish. <laughs> <laughs> my God, Polish and Polish are the same fucking word. <laughs> oh, my God. How are we meant to know if you're meant to be polishing or if you're polishing? <laughs> Actual mind blown. So, well, I'm going to keep guessing. They lost their property and fortunes through involvement in 
Polish or Polish <laughs> national uprisings. Now I can't tell you. Nice. I read this. So I, no one told me this. Nice. Uh, they were trying to restore Poland's independence from uh, Russia. The most recent uprising occurred two years before she was born. So their financial situation was very difficult. Her father, this is going to be very difficult to pronounce, but it's Waladyslaw Skladowski. Waladyslaw. It is W-L-A-D-Y. S L A W were Lady Slaw. I love it. <laughs> lady right Slaw. Name, lady Slaw. Lady Slaw. Make me hungry. Uh, he taught for ma- ladies. Lady Slaw and Coleslaw. Lady Slaw taught mathematics and physics and uh, subjects that Maria was to pursue. He was also the director of two Warsaw gymnasia for boys, and uh, gymnasia is a school with strong emphasis on academic learning in Europe. Disappointingly, nothing to do with gymnastics. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was disappointed. Aww. Mm. But after Russian authorities eliminated laboratory instruction from Polish schools, he bought home most of his uh, lab equipment and instructed his children how to use it. Oh, cool. He wanted his daughters to, to be as educated as his sons, which is not as common as we're about to find in this day. Uh, the fire, father was eventually fired by his Russian supervisors for having pro-Polish sentiments. Or pro-Polish. Or pro-Polish we're sentiments. We're not sure. We're not sure. You never know. And he was forced to take lower-paying jobs. Uh, the family also lost money on a bad investment and eventually chose to supplement their income by lodging boys in their house. They just let people stay with them. Maria's brother, Bronislaw, such good names. He sounds, like a, he sounds like a dinosaur. <laughs> no, that's the mother. That's a woman. Bronislaw. He said brother. No, mother. Her, did I say brother? Yeah. Maria's mother, Bronislaw, operated a prestigious Warsaw boarding school for girls. She resigned from this position after Maria was born, but she died of tuberculosis in 1878 when Maria was just 10 years old. Mm. So not a great start for Mari. Not a great start. Uh, She was unable to enrol into any Polish universities because she was a woman. And also she was applying for the Polish universities. (laughs) I just want to paint fingernails. (laughs) That is a man's job. (laughs) Uh, So she and her sister Brony... Brony? Started, uh, Bro- you know what brony means? Mm. Uh, it a- means it's it's male fans of the My, My Little, Little Ponies. Pony. Yeah, bronies. <laughs> Bros that like ponies. Yes, yeah, that's, that's exactly a real thing. It. It's a big thing. Is that fucking true? It's that's fucking, fucking true. true. <laughs> it's so great. Bronies. And they're obsessed with My Little Pony. Bronies love, bronies love no, ponies. It's a big, ponies. It's like a big like sub. My Little Pony. It's like a subculture thing. But yeah, they're, they're, if you go online. For adult people. For adult yeah, for people. adults. It's like. Like being a fan of, I don't know, like Disney movies or whatever it may be, or the awesome. Collingwood Football Club. Say. <laughs> Just being a fan, they're fans. <laughs> do these people have anything to do with? Like, sometimes they get fo- followed by My Little Pony sex bots on. Yeah, Twitter. I think it can. Is it sexy? Can uh, be. I, I don't know. Yeah, be. I think it can be. Like anything can be. I think there's like My Little Pony fan fiction, erotic fan fiction. Yeah. Ponies be fucking. Yeah, but there, I mean, there's erotic fan fiction. My for little everything. boner. So, erotic fan fiction of this podcast, that's when you know you've made it. That is what Oh I'm my god, it. yeah. Oh, we'll end up having sex with each other, you understand? So, can't hey, wait to Dave, read about it. Yeah, it's just written down. We don't actually have to have sex with each other. <laughs> oh, is that how, how fan fiction works? But thanks so much for being disgusted by the idea of having sex with any of us. Thank you. That is really, that's hurtful, mate. Yeah, I've got qualities. <laughs> you've got qualities. Well, you don't think Jess has qualities? That's laughable to hey, you, Hey, Matt, I'd have sex with you. I'd have sex with you, Jess. <laughs> you too, Dave. Thanks, Matt. You're, you're my brony. <laughs> well, don't go there, mate. That disgusts me. <laughs> <laughs> that's where I draw the line. Yeah. That's... None of that, thanks. 
Anyway, back to Madame Curie. Mar- uh, Marina, as she was known then, was unable to enroll in any Polish universities because she was a woman. So she and her sister, Brony, started studying at the underground secret uni, the Flying University. So the they, Flying University. They started studying. Imagine if you went to a, a uni in secret and you weren't getting any cred for it. You just wanted to learn. Just wanted to learn, learn. how to See, fly. I just, I just wanted to get a degree because I thought I should. <laughs> yeah. The only reason I went to uni. But you wouldn't get so the degree. So back then, you would have been like... No pressure. I would be like, sweet, I'll sweet. stay at home. I do. got to stay at home, yeah. <laughs> Find a husband, no problem. Jokes. I'm really unattractive. I have nothing to offer. Can't find a husband. <laughs> Maria then made a deal <laughs> with her older sister, Brony. The deal was that Brony would go to university in Paris, where women were allowed to study, and uh, Maria would stay home and work to support her financially, spending every penny, uh, every penny she made. Then when Brony finished, she would do the same for oh. Mary. So do like a swap thing. What a good team. It's pretty nice, isn't it? So Mari, I'm just going to call her that from... Uh, I'm going to call her Mari from now on. Uh, well, she later changed her name when she moved to Paris. But anyway, uh, she worked as a governess to support her sister, who then studied medicine in Paris. Mari hated the work, but whilst working as a governess for relatives of her father, she fell in love with their son, Kazmierz Zorowski. Wait, the, ch- the child that she was looking after? No, no, no. So, um, the people that were related to the family she was working for, which is related to her as well. So, she fell in love with the man that she was vaguely related to, but his parents... Hot. Hot. That's <laughs> hot. His love pa- is Hot. You know, what get, you know what gets me going? <laughs> love. <laughs> the idea of love. The idea of being loved. Oh, God. oh yeah. Oh. So sexy. My, my motor's revving. All right, guys. It's not that kind of podcast, right? Let's no. take it back a notch. Oh, God. A bit X-rated over here. Oh, God. The fan fiction. <laughs> not even fiction. I just love being valued and loved. <laughs> <laughs> Respected. Oh, oh so oh, good. <laughs> I respect you. Oh, oh yeah. Respect oh. me. Oh, baby. <laughs> Uh, but this guy, Kazmierz, his parents rejected the idea of, of uh, him marrying a pen- penniless relative and they couldn't get married. But he would go on to be a famous mathematician in his own right. And according to Robert Reed's biography of Curie written in the 1970s, this is a quote, Still as an old man and as a mat- mathematics professor at, w- at Warsaw University, Kazmierz would sit contemplatively before the statue of Marie Curie which had been erected in 1935. That's a bit sad, isn't it? He would just sit there and look at the statue of this now world famous woman that he once loved. Forty years later, yeah, forty years. But he had a family of his own. I did look into him, so he did, and he was a very famous um, Polish math math guy. But still, pretty sad, right? That's if if that's true, he was not happy, right? No, not at all. Or he was jealous. Yeah, I'm jealous. I'm gonna sit and watch the thing. Like, it's gotta be a better way of dealing with it, sir. (laughs) Sir. Look at something else. Read a m- newspaper. Go do some maths. Maybe he was just sitting there watching the pigeons shit on it. Oh. Yeah, going, yeah. Right. Take that. Take that, your left eyelid. Take that, Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> Cop that, Hitler. Cop that. Um, so, Mari's sister, Brony, a few years had passed, and she'd married a Polish doctor in Paris. How do you spell Brony, by the way? B-R-O-N-I-E. Oh, that is the same spelling, I think. As the My Little Pony fan. I'm not sure. Brony. And that's a nickname. She's got oh, a, no, it's probably the Y. She's got a longer Polish she name. She goes by Brony. Okay, but that's sorry. what they called her. So she married a doctor. And she'd become a doctor herself. And then she invited Mari to join them. Um, 
she had nearly given up on her dream because she was a bit old. She was in her early twen- um, mid-twenties and she's like, oh, maybe I've missed out on going to uni myself. But um, her sister really encouraged her and uh, but she had needed to wait another 18 months to save up money to go to Paris and, uh, and go to the university. So, and all this time that she's been working as a governess, she was studying and reading and self-educating herself to get ready for the course. She's Aww. finding textbooks, going to libraries and stuff like that. She's so she just wants to learn. No, she loves to learn. She just wants to discover penicillin. <laughs> <laughs> but they won't let her. They just won't let. <laughs> In 1891, at age 24, she went to Paris to study at the University of Paris, commonly known as the Sorbonne. You know, Sorbonne, the Sorbonne. Mm. Sort of famous sort of institution. Uh, but by then she'd been away from uh, formal study for six years and she hadn't had any training in understanding rapidly spoken French. So right. it was a big learning curve to go to lectures where people are firing French at you. Uh, what she did was she lived with her sister for a time with her husband, with her husband before renting a cramped attic garret closer to the uni than the one-hour carriage from her sister's apartment. So she, every day she'd go on a horse-drawn cart for an hour and then go back. So she went closer... But uh, she had no money. She studied all day and tutored others at night to oh try and make God. some money. She could, she could barely afford to eat and lived on a diet of water and bread and sometimes fainted from hunger. Aww. Tough way to learn. Man, if you, they talk about that. If you don't have a good breakfast, kids can't learn. I'm in Paris, though. Bread's a big part of the diet anyway. I love bread. Yeah. So I, love she, bread. I love bread. Fuck, she was lucky. <laughs> Water. I used to think that as a kid, like, because you know how they they say that you just got bread and water in prison. I'd be like, I could handle that. Yeah, <laughs> I love bread. Of, Come at me. Is it crusty? Oh man, imagine like a nice, butter. like a bit of crusty Ooh, bread the roll. Oven. <laughs> like it's crusty on the outside, but soft on the oh, inside. Yeah. Oh yeah. What are you going to dip it in a bit of? Well, I imagine they have soup there as well. They just haven't <laughs> told us the whole story. A bit of soup. Bit yeah, of, obviously no, entree. At uh, worst case, no. Bit of dip. Oh yeah. yeah what do you go? Hummus. Hummus. Bit of tzatziki. Yeah, tzatziki. Big tzatziki fan. Oh. Maybe a bit of, like, special occasions you could get some, maybe some roasted capsicum. Oh, mm. yeah, now we're talking Or oh, beetroot and mint. Oh, beetroot and mint. Avocado. Mm. Oh. Guacamole. Na- spring Na- onion. Naturally. Yeah. Anyway. Fuck, I don't know what I, what I was going on about that for. Yeah, she was she having a, she was, so she's having a great time in Paris. She's great. She's A-OK. Everything's coming up, Mari. <laughs> She was having a great time. She was enjoying the cold of the attic in winter that was so intense at night she had to pile on everything she had. So good. So she could stay warm and stay alive. I love that. Great I time. love snugging up. Yeah, just have snug. a little snug. Best. Snugging. Hey, you know what's a great, th- great thing is having a half a piece of bread then putting on all your clothes and going to bed. How good is oh, that? Oh, man. I might do that when I get home tonight. Fuck, I'm doing it right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, my you ears. <laughs> Fuck, I'm good. Look how snuggly he looks. Oh, hey, any room under that blanket? <laughs> Oh, come on over. Ooh. Let's do the rest of the podcast from inside yeah. this <laughs> giant beanbag. Inside the beanbag, yeah. right? Unorthodox, but I like it. <laughs> yeah, it's warm. Oh, he's wearing that beanbag. <laughs> beanbag boy. <laughs> Those little white balls have gone everywhere. <laughs> You're going to have to vacuum that up. I refuse. Can you vacuum them? Yeah, you must. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so she pers- persisted during these... Uh, Harsh times, and two years later, in 1893, she, she was discovered a- penicillin. <laughs> Not quite, but oh. she was awarded a master's degree in physics as the year's top student. So top physics, student. she discovered two physics. Years. Uh, she- I think I've got it. And remember, she wasn't good. Porsche. At- Porsche. She invented Porsche. She invented Porsche. She invented the no, Porsche. No, she discovered Porsche. <laughs> I call it the 911. <laughs> this is going to be a good name for a while, and then then it's going to get a little bit awkward. Yeah, it's going to be a little bit awkward, but. 
but we won't change the name. Whatever. Uh, but she was the year's top student, which I found amazing. Like two years after not being able to speak much French, and suddenly the top girl. Gosh, she just guy wants to class. learn. I love it. I just didn't want to learn at uni. God. Uh, <laughs> Look at me, though. I haven't discovered penicillin, have I? No, that's right. <laughs> no, that's, I mean, that's, that's how it happens. <laughs> if you discovered penicillin, I'd be talking about you right now. I wouldn't be on this fucking podcast, that's for sure. Mari started working in an industrial laboratory under Professor Gabriel Lipman, the man that would invent colour photography. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool, isn't it? That's great. She continued to study and 1894, was awarded a second degree, this time in mathematics, as the year's second best student. Ooh, Ooh top two, her, top two. Einstein number one. That will, <laughs> that will annoy her for the rest of it. No, it won't. It won't. After she graduated, Mari was looking for a larger lab space to carry out her own work, and a friend introduced her to a man that she thought had such a space. Turns out he didn't have any lab space at all, but that man was Pierre Curie, and the oh. two got along very well. Oh, a bit of a, a bit of sizzle there. Yeah. He was eight years Were old. Were they related? Because they had the same surname. She's still a Sklodowski at this stage. Oh, that's confusing. Even bigger coincidence. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> Well, she did try and marry that family member earlier on in the piece. Let's not forget that. That's a good point. Uh, this, this handsome young suitor, Pierre Curie, was eight years older than her. That's hot. And already known internationally as a physicist. So how old is she at this stage? How old are they? What year is this? So she <laughs> No, no, is... the one we're in now. Oh, what? you there. What age is this? Uh, 27 she is. He's 35. Yeah, it's a good age gap. You like that? Mm-hmm. You approve? It's a good right. gap. I like know. a gap. I'll let him know. I don't know why. I'm... Shut up, Jess. Age gap's better than a wage gap. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's going to be a wage gap with him for most of the time. Uh, Pierre was described as a serious idealist and dreamer whose greatest wish was to be able to devote his life to scientific work. He was completely indifferent. I just want to science. He was in- completely indifferent to <laughs> outward distinctions. He had not attended one of the French elite schools, but he'd been taught by his father, who was a physician, and by a second private teacher. So he's making his own way, mm. kind of. You can go your own way. Did he write that song? Yes, he is Mick Fleetwood. <laughs> <laughs> uh, their mutual passion for science brought them increasingly closer, and they began to develop feelings for one another. What? I wonder what kind. <laughs> Hate. Hatred. Mainly bitterness. Yeah, bitterness. Envy. A lot of envy. envy. She was eating all the bread. Develop feelings. Clamminess. No, no, no. They were just very touchy. Right. They just touch each other a lot. It was yeah. really weird. But mainly with pokes. Just pokes. Poking. Or they just like place their hands, open palms on each other's faces. <laughs> just leave it there for five minutes. Yeah, like a long time. An uncomfortably long time. And then time. write yeah. down in their diary, like in a scientific yeah. experiment, yeah. what the reaction like was. Like clammy Developing hands them. on face. That kind of feeling. Well, Pierre's initial marriage proposal was rejected as Mari thought that she would return to her Polish homeland. Marriage proposal? Pierre, however... Well, I thought they were just a couple of scientists doing well, a couple of science things. Well, they've got some sexy feelings. P- Dave, come on. Pierre declared that he was ready to move with her to Poland, even if it meant being reduced to teaching French. Oh, There's no less noble, more less noble slummet, position bud. than a French teacher. Aww. But Mari returned to Poland to visit her family in 1894 and discovered that the Krakow University would still not lo- let her work or study there as she was still a woman. <laughs> Fancy that. You've what got had she done de- in all this time? You've got two degrees under your belt and your gender hasn't changed. Can you believe this? Bullshit. Dave. I don't... 
How do we tell him? Don't tell me what. Just you tell him. Is it about his haircut? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. It's my main man, Pasquale, did this haircut. Now nah, you tell him, Jeff. Um, <clears throat> I've already had an entire episode ruining the myth of Santa. Edu- education doesn't doesn't change gender. Do you, know you, who can't, dis- you do can't change it. Do you know how I know that? And do you know who discovered that? Penicillin. <gasps> Mr. Penicillin. <laughs> Mick Fleetwood. <laughs> I'm going to get it. I'm going to get what it is. Pikelets. <laughs> Come on, Matt. Puffages. Sorry, little mini We're not, it's it's not all fun oh. and games, okay? I really thought it was penicillin. Puffages did just Fuck, make me hungry. what is it? We will get there. So Pierre wrote her a letter and convinced her to return to Paris to pursue her PhD. Oh, come back to Paris. PhD. I'm missing you so much. Come home. Him. Come home to Paris. And we can do some science. And we can... Apologies to our French we listeners. Can, we can get married. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I'm no good at the improv games, because I crack myself up. You're like, God, that was hilarious. Sorry, what did you say? I was too busy laughing my own laugh. My own we can do some science. You love the science. Come home to science. <laughs> I'm jet lagged. Well, Pierre... <laughs> It's going to sound like a real traveller because it was two weeks ago you were talking about oh, yeah. it as well. Uh, well, Pierre, <laughs> the um, who we got some direct quotes from. Pierre. She invented Pierre. <laughs> He's made up. Possibly. Uh, during this time, Pierre had re- received his own doctorate, was promoted to professor at s- the school in Paris. She returned to Paris and they were married in July, 1895. Aww. Uh, Marie's dark blue outfit, worn instead of her bridal gown, would serve her for many years as her laboratory outfit. She'd wear her wedding dress. She's such an eccentric. While doing science. And she was an atheist too, so no religious stuff going on at their wedding. Love very it. unusual for the time. Yeah, yeah. and, the, and the Polish people, or the Polish state, was very, is still very Catholic, very Christian. Her, her family is uh, was Catholic growing yeah, up. Yeah, it's, like, right. it's like one, a super high percentage of Catholics. I think even now, like 90% or something, that might not be real. But, but like what, that, like very like high. Very high. Very high. It's a very beautiful place uh, from what I've seen of it too. All them churches and stuff. I've not been. But I have been to Paris where Pierre is from. That's right. Well, outside of science. Come on to Paris for some science. Well, she's come home and now they're married. Outside of science, their two favourite hobbies were long bike rides and... and fucking. <laughs> and fucking. And overseas travel. They received money for their wedding um, from her family and uh, spent it on two bikes. No, they could have just got a tandem bike. I imagine them riding on a tandem, but I think it was two separate bikes. In Pierre, Marie had found a new love, a partner and a scientific collaborator on whom she could depend. Aww. Who was it? <laughs> She found she found a scientist. She found a scientist in him. <laughs> Cut it out of him. That was her first discovery. Uh, in 1896, Marie passed her teacher's diploma, coming first in her class, oh, back, back on, on top. top. That's where she belongs. Then in September 1897, she gave birth to their first daughter, Irene. It was after this that Marie or Marie began looking around for a suitable subject for her own doctoral thesis. Insert science time. 
As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. If it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, not in a way that's like, oh, my God, it's expanding, like yeah, yeah. More physically. Like it's growing more customers, yes. more interest. Not like it's going to explode. Yeah, not like it's a building that's like blowing up and yeah, it's, yeah. oh, what's happening? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. And I don't think they mean for marriage. You can sell your products on an online store, whether you sell physical or digital products or you offer services like massage or oh. nails. Oh, my gosh. Or uh, consulting. Should we, after this, get mani-pedis? <laughs> Babe, I've already booked us in. <laughs> um, Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. You know, what about blogging tools, you yeah. might be asking? I like to blog. I love to blog. I like to blog. I like to vlog. Yes. Well, Squarespace has powerful blogging tools to share stories, photos, videos, and updates. You can categorize, you can share, and schedule to make your content work for you. Scheduling is the best. Oh. Yeah. It looks like Jess has just uploaded something, What it? but it's like 3 a.m. in Australia. Yeah. Yeah, but it's the exact time I wanted to do it in New York City, baby. Exactly. Capture that New York market. Yeah. You mentioned vlogging as well. If you're into vlogging, you can organise your video library, showcase your content on beautiful video pages, sell access to your videos with member areas. The possibilities are endless. Now head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and save 10% on your first purchase of a website or domain. Science time. Woo! Science time with Mara Hi, welcome back to Science Time with Mari Curie. I'm Mari. You can call me Mari. <laughs> what are we doing on the show today, Mari? Today we're inventing penicillin. <laughs> oh, great. I've heard so much about it. You never stop talking about it. <laughs> Do go on, show us how it's done. Okay, so I'm just going to give some, uh, some context for the science at the time. So in, uh, just a little bit before this, in 1886, a guy called Heinrich Hertz, after which Hertz is named, you know, the unit it's of... Hertz. You know, the unit of frequency, like oh, Hertz. I thought you meant... I thought you were going to say the, the car. car. Not the shitty hire car company. <laughs> shitty? They're great. I've dealt with Hertz a lot in the, in the recent weeks. Hmm, apologies to the Hertz guys. So, there's that guy. You uh, might have... Uh, you, uh, you know what? You might have... Uh, you know, you might have... With those words, you might have... Hurts their feelings. <laughs> that was not worth a high five. Yeah, it was. You also missed mine, Rogli. It hurts, but that's all right. No, oh, I, basically, I basically did Jess's joke. 
okay, later and better. <laughs> <laughs> so the, uh, this guy in 1886, he demonstrated the existence of radio waves. That was his big discovery. Then in 1895, Wilhelm Röntgen, a German physicist, he discovered X-rays, which would land him the first ever Nobel Prize for physics in Ooh. 1901. Uh, he discovered the he ab- died from radiation, right? Is that him? X-ray guy? Not sure how he died, but Röntgen is a unit of that uh, we t- we would have talked a lot about. Uh, it's an old unit for measuring radiation. So like Röntgens right. is what the in they were measuring. One Röntgens is the amount that kills you because that's what he had. I might Did be he wrong. Die of this? Definitely early people who was tested on. No, he died at seventy-seven. He was fine. Oh, just his bloody. Maybe the people he. Well, the people we're talking about, maybe. Uh, so Röntgen. So he won the, the Nobel Prize. He discovered the ability of radiation to pass through uh, opaque material that was impenetrable to ordinary light. So you usually shine a torch on something and it can't get through. But he discovered if you shine radioactive light, like an X-ray through mm. it, it shows what's on the other side. So that's his big discovery. Then third guy, which is the final guy, Henry Becquerel, a French scientist, discovered that uranium was emitting radiation that could pass through foil and darken a photographic plate. So he discovered that uranium's got X-rays, like mm. similar things to X-rays coming out of it. Becquerel's discovery had not aroused very much attention when just a day or so after his discovery, he informed the Monday meeting of the French Academy of Sciences, which I enjoy they have a Monday meeting. Oh, it's so good. I imagine they also all have to bring a plate. Yeah. Like somebody's brought the ice of ovos. Oh, it's awkward when two people bring the same thing. Yeah. Monte Carlos, you know that's my thing. Fuck. Curried eggs. Mate, stick to fairy bread for fuck's sake. You do it well, mate. You're good at it. Just yeah, just stick with it. Oh. Why You don't have to do the Monte Carlo. You don't need to. Gary does the Monte Carlo and he does them really well. Don't take away Gary's thing. And we all it. like your fairy bread. Honestly, I hardly even recognise these as Monte Carlos. It's sloppy work, mate. Come I'm on. sorry. No, don't take it like that, mate. You get back here, young man. <laughs> you listen to me when I'm talking to you. Nah, fair enough. Good on you, mate. So what he'd done was he'd, he'd made this discovery that he was excited about, then he came back and told everyone about it, and they listened politely, then quickly went on to the next item on the agenda. So they're like, cool story, man. Yep. Anyway, they were excited about Rontgen's discovery of x-rays, so that's what they wanted to talk mm. about. So Rontgen's where it's at, Becquerel, they didn't care about Fuck off, Becquerel. Come but, on, mate. But someone who did take notice of Becquerel was our friend, Marie Curie. Oh, she decided to make a systematic investigation of these mysterious, quote, uranium rays and go for the topic that no one was talking about. She's like, I'll do a PhD on that. No one cares about that. No one's looking at that. I'll do that. So results were not long in coming. Just after a few days, Murray discovered that thorium gives off the same rays as uranium. She was pretty excited. That's another element, by the way, thorium. Named oh, yeah, after we know. The we know. Marvel character Thor. Which is also the Viking word for Thursday. Also named after um, peas that have been out of the freezer for a bit. Or the feeling of pain if you have a lisp. Hmm. My tongue is so sore. <laughs> I call it thorium. Pardon? Thorium. <laughs> One more time just so I can write it down for all of history. Thorium. <laughs> all right. I'll do it. It's science. <laughs> Boom, you got science. <laughs> Boom, science. So she discovered that real quick. She then went through the whole periodic system at that time and uh, to try and find if everything has these rays and discovered... There was only seven things on it at the time. Do you know that? That's not true. There was 78. Seven hours, what I meant. 
That's what I said. I think okay. if you buy the yeah. tape back, if you go back to the um, So she went through all 78. Her findings were that of all known elements, only uranium thorium gave off this radiation. <laughs> uh, but Pierre, who was doing other stuff with crystals, that was his thing at the time. Oh, really I'm playing with the crystals <laughs> over here. Do not mind me, my little peanut. I love you so much. <laughs> Where is our daughter Irene? Oh, Maybe she would like to see the crystals. <laughs> Going into the crystal by crap. <laughs> but uh, he was so excited about the idea. He saw Mari having a great, good old time over there. So he jumped on the bandwagon and uh, he wanted to help her out. So uh, what is my little butterfly Mari doing? I will help her. You're having with such a science. great time with this yeah, laborious. Well, that looks way more fun than experiment. crystals. Fuck, I hate crystals. Why did I dedicate my life to fucking crystals? I much prefer thorium. <laughs> what was he doing with the crystals? Like checking out the healing powers or something? <laughs> <laughs> he'd invented some machine. Um, he's a, he was a brilliant man in his own right. He'd invented some machine early on that um, could extract stuff from crystals. Which I know sounds in some, like a bullshit. If thing, you're babe. a science guy, it would be cool. But I ain't. I'm a thorium kind of guy. You're a math man. You're really milking it, man. All right, just uh, let the joke die, would you? Her next idea was to study <laughs> the natural ores that contain uranium and thorium. <laughs> it was her hypothesis. Uh, hypothesis. The new element that was considerably more active than uranium was present in small amounts in the ore. So she's gone through like heaps of pitch blend. And she's like, I reckon there's another element here. So they started to think, her and Pierre, that they had discovered not one, but two new elements. My little Mari, do you think we may have uh, discovered not one, but two new elements? <laughs> also, would you like a cup of tea? I'm putting the kettle on. <laughs> the first element they thought they discovered, here comes the P discovery. Here it comes. No, wait, I can do this. Uh, pumpkins. The first was no. a, a metal that they suggested be called... Plantain... Per... Pla- per... Per... Perspex. Perkins. Perkins. Plutonium. It's close to platinum. 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 They, they called it... Do you want to say it? No, give us give us a little bit of it. Polo... Polo... Polyphonic spray. Poly... Polo... Polo... Polo. Polo. Marco Polo. Polo. Marco Polo. The fragrance. <laughs> By Ralph Lauren. <laughs> the horse game. Polo. <laughs> By Ralph Lauren. Uh, Polo. They suggest it would be called Polonium. Uh, named after... That's Ma- her big thing. Ma- Marie's home, uh, Marie's homeland, Poland, was what it's named after. Polonium. Polonium. The place that wouldn't even give that's her still a not fucking degree. And uh, the second thing that they discovered, they suggested, a, a, was a substance that they suggested be called radium. Radium. Is that what you were thinking of? No. <laughs> they also... What the fuck was I thinking of? So they published a report about this, and they also used and coined the oh. word radioactivity for the first time. Ooh, yeah, well, that's cool. something. I've that's heard cool. of that. There they coined radioactivity. You know what else you've heard of? Penicillin. Yeah. When did she get onto the penicillin part? <laughs> yeah, get to the penicillin. Skip all this baloney, mate. Unless you're going to talk about baloney. the Marie cured meats. But you know, I didn't even I didn't even mean, I didn't even notice the connection between her name and cured meats at the time <laughs> until just then. Are you serious? That's why I laughed so much. Then I did notice it. Thank you. I didn't. I was when you said found the cure. For yeah, I was just looking at, anyway, cure for something. So they published these findings, but in order to be sure that what they had discovered was, in fact, new elements. They had to produce them in demonstrable amounts, determine their atomic weight, and preferably isolate them. But to do this, they would need tons of the ore pitch blend that I mentioned. And in order to get 
They needed tons of pitch blend to get tiny quantities of polonium radium. So this was very expensive, but was donated to them, so they are very lucky in that sense. The other problem was that they needed more space to carry out their experiments. The principal of the school Pierre taught out let them, let them have use of a large shed, which was not occupied. It was not watertight and often leaked, and it was a hot house in the summer and cold in the winter. So Sheds, that's what I was thinking of. She invented They invented sheds. the word shed. Uh, a famous Polonium, come on. A famous chemist, Wilhelm Otswold, described their laboratory. Uh, this is a quote. At my earnest request, I was shown the laboratory where radium had been discovered shortly before. It was a cross between a stable and a potato shed. And if, it, if, it had not, if I had not seen the work table and items of chemical apparatus, I would have thought that I was being played a practical joke. So this workspace is shithouse, in other words. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look, it's not a laboratory at all, but they're doing like some very famous sciencey stuff. Uh, they were very laborious and uh, got underway separating the tiny elements from the pitch blend. Mari carried out the chemical separations. Pierre undertook the measurements after each successive step. Swooping in to take the credit. Mm-hmm. Possibly. Typical man. Mm-hmm. Uh, physically, it was very hard work for Mari. She processed 20 kilos of w- raw material at a time. First of all, she had to be clear away pine needles and any uh, debris in the rocks, and then she had to undertake the work of separation. This is a quote from her. Sometimes I had to spend a whole day stirring a boiling mass with a heavy iron rod nearly twice as big as myself. I would be broken with fatigue at day's end. So she's working her ass off. Is she still only eating a piece of bread? Yeah, they're not making much money either. Though Pierre's getting paid a little bit more because he's teaching and stuff. And a man. And a man. But this is... Mm-hmm. So from one tonne of pitch blend, they got one-tenth of a gram of radium chloride. Yeah! Success! What's the street value of that sort of stuff? Mm. Could they unsell it for a, a tiny profit? Well, probably. Uh, she identified radium's atomic weight as 225. Bang! New element, baby. 225. Okay, great. And what is that? Is that good? Yeah, well... Is 225 a good good number? I reckon. Pretty good. So now there's 80, uh, 79. 79. How many are there now? Like 150. Oh, like 2000. 112 or something. 112 or something, yeah. 2000. 2000. Just, just asking the question. It had taken four years of hard work and they were teaching as well this whole time. And uh, they'd written 32 papers on the topic between 1898 and 1902. The kid? The kid is... Well, no, I'll talk about the kid. Yeah, but they have a kid. <clears throat> they have two daughters now. Two. They're spending a lot of time... In the lab. In the shed. Oh, boy. In the shed. Poor kids, hey? Probably in after school care, you know, with a nanny or something. Yeah, we can't afford food, but we've uh, got a nanny. We've got a nanny. Uh, in June 1903, supervised by Gabrielle Lippmann, Curie was awarded her doctorate from the University of Paris. The committee that examined her thesis had the opinion that the findings represented the greatest scientific contribution ever made in a doctoral thesis. She really wow. had it all. Heaps of praise. That's great. Like, she hasn't just had personal success and, like, career success, but then she's also got a family... <laughs> Gives a fuck about the family. She's what does that mean now? Those kids are dead, Jess. They're dead. Let them go. <laughs> Theranium lives on. Or whatever the fuck she did. <laughs> I lost interest when I found out it wasn't penicillin. I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm out. We could do a little, <laughs> we could do a little addendum at the end and pretend that she would. She would Thank that. you. Just hurry up and finish. I <laughs> I'm kidding. I've got a lot more to go. I'm just kidding. 
A little celebration in Mari's honour was arranged in the evening by a research colleague. The guests included a prominent, a prominent professor at the Einstein. Sorbonne. And, uh, well, not Einstein, but one of the most famous scientists of all time, New Zealand scientist Ernest Rutherford, who was then working in Canada but temporarily, temporarily in Paris and anxious to meet Marie Curie. If you don't know who that is, I'll tell you. He had good reason to meet her. His study of the deflection of radiation in man- magnetic fields had not met with success until he had been sent a strongly radioactive preparation by the Curie, so she helped him out. By that time, he was already famous and was soon to be considered the greatest physicist of his day. The element Rutherfordium is named after him. Rutherfordium. Rutherfordium. Ah, another one of the classic ones. He's known... <laughs> not. I was sure, like I was... I was... My face was saying not. I had to say it you for had to the say podcast. It. Yeah, yeah. He is known didn't, as the... I didn't, want to, I didn't want to have to do that, but I had to. If you it's are, very old school. If you are a nerd, he is... Like one of the most famous scientists ever. He's the father of nuclear physics. If oh, my I God, I've never heard of him. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. How embarrassing. I've never heard of him. <laughs> if you invented an element, what would it be called? Um, methanium? Stuanium? Methanium? Meth. <laughs> methamphetamine. I've got like methamphetamine. <laughs> Crystal methamphetamines, please. Um, oh, is that what the dude was doing with his little crystals? <gasps> yeah, he was trying to make meth in the 1880s. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd call it stuanium. What about you? <laughs> are they all, they're not all anium, are they? No. What about oxygen? Oh, good question. What are you? Well played. <laughs> mm, okay, I see you know who Ernest Rutherford is. Mm. What about what about Hydrogen, what about gold? Helium. Is gold on there? Yeah, gold. Gold's on there. Helium, boron, carbon, S- silver, bronze, nitrogen, all oxygen, the, all the metals. Fluorine, neon, sodium, magnesium, aluminium. We learned them at school by singing it. Anyway, I'd probably call it. Uh, a bloody good time. <laughs> bloody good time. Actually, I've remember. changed my mind. If I, I didn't realise you could call it anything. I'd call it Matt Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> I'd call mine. Matt Stewart is a fuckhead. <laughs> oh, damn it. <laughs> They're next door to each other on, yeah. the, on the table. I'm with stupid. Yeah. That's mine. That's a little arrow. <laughs> it's part of the name. <laughs> you got to write it. I'll never say no to a good bit of promotion, so I call it do go on him. Oh, you do love a lot you. of promotion. You're a bit of a slut for it. That's right. Do oh. go on podium. Shut up, man. <laughs> what does that fucking mean? <laughs> oh, it's getting late. It's a pod. It's a... Do go on him. Could do go on podium. Do goonium. Podium. What if it's just DaveWarnicky.com? That was the name of the <laughs> element. <laughs> and awesome. then you just ha- you have a link to the podcast. You? <laughs> yeah. Like, like, yeah. You've every, done your bit. Every kid's. I call mine... HTTP <laughs> colon. Half, colon slash slash. Whoa, forward slash or backslash? Forward slash, Matt. Jesus. Oh, forward slash. God, Matt. No one, I mean, everyone knows what the slash is. There's a guitarist. We've got the roses. <laughs> anyway, we've got, to, we've got to go back to this. They're having a little celebration for Mari's uh, Oh, yeah, the topic. It was a warmish evening, and the group went out to the garden. This is Ernest Rutherford's there, you know, that guy that we all know. Mm-hmm. Rutherfordium. Pierre had pr- uh, prepared an effective finale to the day. Fireworks. Well, when they all sat down, he drew from his waistcoat pocket a little tube, partly coated with zinc, which contained a quantity of radium salt in solution. Suddenly, the tube became luminous, lighting up the darkness, and the group stared at the display in wonder. Glow sticks. He invented glow sticks. 
But in the light from the tube, Rutherford saw that Pierre's fingers were scarred and inflamed and that he was finding it hard to hold the tube. This is because the Curies had no idea, idea how dangerous radiation they, they were experimenting with. So it's, they just had a radioactive thing in his pocket. And he was like, hey, how cool is this? And it's like, no, that's killing you, mate. So they worked without any protective gear or precautions. So she was the one who got copped it. I will go on. I don't uh, think either of us invited you to. <laughs> but do go on. Oh, all right. Um, meanwhile, a new industry began developing based on radium. The Curies did not patent their discovery and benefited little from this increasingly oh. profitable business. They were against doing so. Pure research should be carried out for its own sake, they thought, and must not become mixed up with industry's profit motive. Oh, okay. You don't want to feed your kids. Cool. No, yeah. Don't worry about them. Do all that hard work. Fuck your kids. Don't worry about them. Fuck them. Pierre described the medical tests he'd been carrying out on himself as well. He had wrapped a a sample of radium salts in a thin rubber covering and bound it to his arm for 10 hours, then had studied the wound that it left behind, which resembled a burn. Day by day, he looked at the wound, and after 52 days, a permanent grey scar remained. So he's a little bit crazy. In actual fact... Dedicated. Dedicated. In actual fact, Pierre was quite ill. His legs uh, shook at times. He found it hard to stand upright. He was in much pain. He consulted a doctor who um, diagnosed something that wasn't what it was because they didn't know what radiation poisoning was and uh, prescribed him strychnine. The skin on Mari's fingers was cracked and scarred. Both of them constantly suffered from fatigue. They had evidently had no idea that radiation could have a de- detrimental health effect on their general state. Pierre often carried a sample in his waistcoat pocket to show his friends. You know what it sounds like they need? A little bit of penicillin. Yeah. (laughs) That'll sort out the old girl. Fix you right up. Fix you right up. Go invent that, dickhead. So you said that when he showed his friends, they were like, don't do that because it's bad for you. No, no, no. So they were were like, wow. But uh, Ernest Rutherford, the genius noticed that his hands were right. sort of looking like they were scarred, then he was having trouble holding it. So he, he started, looking well. started wondering, oh, that's a bit weird. But what, I mean, how, how could he, why wasn't he piecing it together himself? Yeah. I felt shit as soon as I started doing this. I, I, wonder think, why, I wonder what it is. I think a lot of it they blamed on the fact that they were working for four years in that shitty shed with like no yeah, that ventilation. Yeah, that can scar your fingers. But like no ventilation stuff. And I think they were like, oh, it's just chemicals. We're cool, but it wasn't really bad. Uh Mari used to have a little radium salt by her bed that shone in the darkness. So she kind of used radioactive stuff as a nightlight. And it turns out radium has a half-life of 1,602 years, which means it takes that many years in order for the radiation to decrease by half. So it's really strong stuff. But some good news is coming. In 1903, the Curies were jointly awarded the Nobel Prize for Physics, sharing the award with... Uh, Henry Becquerel, the guy that I mentioned Aww. before, that inspired the experiments. Oh, that's so nice. three of them got that. On their deathbed, basically. <laughs> no, no, no. They're still going well. Uh, well, they're quite sick, but not, sort for, of. <laughs> not for much longer. Murray had almost missed out because originally the organisation were going to give the award only to Pierre and Becquerel. Mm-hmm. But when Pierre mm-hmm. discovered this, he wrote to the committee and explained, hey, she's done most of the work <laughs> here. And they uh, let her be on it as Aww. well. So how bullshit would that have been? They didn't get her. She was the first woman to receive a Nobel Prize. What a good husband. Yeah, doing the bare minimum. Good on him. Yeah. God, we could all be so lucky. <laughs> yeah. I Saying that I should be... I should... Uh, I want to find a man who'll do the bare minimum for me. 
Mm, the dream. No, hey, the by dream. the way. That's the ticket. That's the Aussie dream. Surely that is the bare minimum. Going, yeah, she did a lot of the work here. What do you reckon? What do you reckon he could have just slid no, that well, slide he's, on? He, he wrote a letter. He could have sent a text. Oh, yeah, he could have done less. He could yeah. have just Snapchatted it. Like, there's less he could have done. He probably would have got a second Nobel Prize immediately for inventing text and Snapchat. Do you know how hard it is to find a stamp? You've got to go to the post office, buy some stamps. You've got to line. It's always a fucking huge line. Yeah, at the and post this guy office. can barely stand up. So, yeah. okay, Matt, all, all right, right. No, sorry. you went to a lot of effort. Okay, fine. That's fair enough. Dave, please do go on. Well, the Nobel Prize, you'll be pleased to know, alleviated their financial worries. But the Curies now suddenly found themselves the focus of the interest of the public and press. The celebs. The celebs, because their love story mixed with the conditions they Aww. were under. They discovered two new elements, meant they were hounded by journalists. Aww. <laughs> uh, their health conditions... Oh, hounded. <laughs> uh, this is for you, Matt. Their health conditions were blamed on the cramped shed they'd been working in. So uh, all they wanted was a new, bigger lab to continue their research. Pierre was given a chair at the Sorbonne in 1904, so quite oh. a high position, with the promise of a laboratory. But as late as 1906, it had still not begun to be built. So they're waiting for the lab. They're getting handed by a press. They're not enjoying the attention at all. They just want to do science. I just want to science with my wife. Well, just then, want to do science. Well, then on April 19th, 1906, disaster struck. No. On that day, Pierre Earthquake. Curie... <laughs> Unrelated to them, but it was just a bad day. It's a bad day. I thought I'd mention it. In Guam. <gasps> well, on that day, 1906, Pierre Curie, a man often lost in his own thoughts, was run over by a horse-drawn wagon Ooh. in Paris and was killed instantly. God, even penicillin won't help that. Fuck. Yeah. That sounds like a brutal way to go. Yeah. Ugh. How many horses? <sighs> I don't... How it's... many is, it, is, is enough? I know, like... Is, is more than one good? I think you want to... Um, yeah, I don't what's know. The, what's the... I think instantly premium? killed is, is the best result there. There's got to be at least a couple of horses there, right? But, I mean, that saved him from going through the... He was going to die slowly and agonisingly, so maybe that was for the best. Ugh. Have they ruled out suicide yet? <laughs> the investigation is ongoing. <laughs> Jessica, don't laugh at suicide. Uh, but now Mari was left alone... With two daughters, Irene, aged nine, and Eve, aged two. Mm. And after a period of intense grieving, she was... Grieving. <laughs> grieving, governor. Grieving. <laughs> oh, fuck. I meant to say, after a period of intense grieving, she was appointed to succeed Pierre as the head of the lab, being undoubtedly most suitable and to be responsible for his teaching duties. She thus became the first woman ever appointed to teach at the Sorbonne. Oh, cool. That's cool. She got a promotion through tragedy. With her oldest daughter, Irene, now nine, her circle of friends consisted mainly of a small group of professors with children of a similar age. So Mari organised a private school with the parents themselves acting as teachers. So there was a group of some ten children accordingly taught only by prominent professors. Wow. So this little group became a kind of school for the elite with a great emphasis on science. The experiment lasted two years, but then they got older and they had to go to normal secondary school. That's Pretty amazing. Mm. That's pretty cool. That's a good little base. They would for the be, kids. yeah. And they are going to do quite well, which I will mention at the end of the show. Uh, they became the Tin Lids. What does that mean? The Tin Lids. They were a band. Of the, the Jimmy Barnes's Jimmy kids. Jimmy Barnes's <laughs> kids. Were a band. I don't know. They did a Christmas album. It was the worst thing ever, uh, but also adorable. Potentially, I'm not sure if that was really funny or not. It oh, I think that's funny. very funny. <laughs> 
Because leading up to Christmas, I played the Tin Lids Christmas album on the radio. <laughs> the Tin Lids, because it's rhyming slang for kids. Oh, Tin Lids Kids. Yeah. That makes sense. I think that's what. It's what Barnsley would have wanted. <laughs> was Barnsley in that group of. Yeah, it was Barnsley. Because <laughs> otherwise, it doesn't make sense. Oh, does, we are recording this one late in the evening. <laughs> if you can't tell, it's been. Yeah. We're getting there. We are it's been getting very there. silly. Uh, I have been nothing but a professional. Oh no! So, yeah. One of my most professional. You are. You've been too professional. A little bit. Loosen up, mate. Loosen, take off the fucking tie. I like it. <laughs> in nineteen eighty eight, nineteen oh eight, Mari is the first woman ever was appointed to become professor at the Sorbonne. She finally isolated radium in metallic form and in 1911 was awarded the Nobel Prize in Chemistry. Holy fuck! Making her the only woman in history to win twice and the only person ever to win in multiple sciences. What a legend! Only person ever. Chemists considered that the discovery and isolation of radium was the greatest event in chemistry since the discovery of oxygen. Boom, and I'm gone. I like... I love how oxygen was discovered. What's that? <laughs> oh, I felt good. <gasps> hey, I've noticed if I stop doing this, <gasps> it hurts. It hurts. Uh, sometimes I black out. No, I just fight through the pain. <laughs> you feel good. That's just your cramped workspace. Yeah. <laughs> just blame it on the fucking shed. Uh, so things are going well for Mari now after tragedy, but... Uh, Marie Curie began to feel the inconsistency of the right-wing French press, which often criticised her for being a foreigner and an atheist. French press is also just a type of coffee. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, so not worth it. <laughs> I, I was biting my tongue before. What was the, the um? What was the blend thing? Pitch blend. I was um like a couple of times like it's a coffee. It's a coffee. <laughs> no, don't. <laughs> don't. Oh no, don't. It's a coffee. Don't. That's silly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so some of the things written about her were absolutely horrible. Can I guess what they are? <laughs> <laughs> what do you reckon? I uh, The first thing that comes to mind is somebody's called her a pig woman. <laughs> I don't know why that came to mind. So I would have called her a godless, um, a, a godless woman. Uh, it would have been all about being a female foreigner. Not French. A godless pole. I bet they said that. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, so we'll get back to that in just a second, but I will say in 1911, the French Academy of Sciences did not elect her to be a member by one or two votes. They voted who got to be a member, despite the fact that she'd received two Nobel Prizes and discovered two of the only Amazing. 80 elements known at the time. Yeah, that, well, that Jerry cool. has a beach house and he, <laughs> said, <laughs> he said, we can all go there whenever we fucking want. And his mum's going to drive us. So, sorry, Mari. You know what? Yeah, I'm voting I'm voting with Jerry, too. Fuck. I'm with Jerry. Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. Uh, she went to Belgium to attend a conference, and another smear campaign started in the press. Now it was a matter of her private life and her relations with her colleague, Paul Langevin who had also been invited to the conference. He had had marital problems for several years and had moved out from his suburban home, and Murray was depicted as the reason both were described in very slanderous terms. 
So the Langevin scandal escalated into a serious affair that shook the university world in Paris and the French government at the highest level. At the same time, the papers did not report of her winning a second Nobel Prize or just put it in a few... So she's on the front page for, you know, this alleged affair at the same time as winning her second Nobel Prize, but then not reporting on that. So weird. So day after day... Mari had to run the gauntlet in the newspapers. An alien, a Polish woman, a research researcher supported by our French scientists had come in and stolen our honest French woman's husband. So you were pretty right about what they were calling her. Predictable. The bloody so, press. You sorry. journalists are all the same, Jess. Nothing about pig women, though. <laughs> there was not, no. Just to clarify. What's, what's French for pig? Uh, pog. Pog. Le pog. Le pog. Le pog woman. <laughs> Le poor, le poor woman. Sorry again to the French people listening. <laughs> Jesus. Sorry again. Uh, then uh, there was a burglary in Langevin's apartment. Certain letters were stolen and delivered to the press, and this added fuel to the sensational Ooh. articles they were writing. There was no proof of the accusations made against Mari, and the authenticity of the letters could be questioned, but still her post as professor at the Sorbonne came into doubt. So they started saying... Maybe you shouldn't be a professor here. Mari returned home to find an angry mob at her house and had to stay with her daughters uh, at a friend's house for safety. Oh, that sucks. But were there pigs at the friend's house? Possibly. Was Karl Lagerfeld there? (laughs) Well, the German designer. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that who she was having an affair with? No, Langvin. So he was... So Langvin, the man accused of being the lover, had had been repeatedly insulted, so much so that he felt forced to challenge Gustav Terry, the editor of a newspaper that printed the letters, to a duel. No. (laughs) Challenged him to a duel. No, that doesn't happen. (laughs) Fighting a duel was a a usual way of obtaining, quote, satisfaction in France at the time, although it was very scarce in academic circles. So usually you don't have these like super nerds going, I challenge you to a duel. Newspaper publishers who had come up against each other in this dispute had already fought duels. <laughs> Swords were generally used, and a duelist was usually content with uh, inflicting a thorough scratch on his opponent for the duel to be considered decided. A thorough scratch. But fatal accidents had occurred, so people had killed each other in duels over this. Oh my god. Really? People having a sword fight and, and people had died. <laughs> but Langvin, he didn't okay. want swords, he asked for pistols. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Still wanting just a, a, a significant scratch? <laughs> just a scratch. Pew! Oh, shit. But a flesh wound. <laughs> the Pins, duel. But a scratch. It was uh, pistols at a distance of 25 metres. It was to take place on the morning of November 25th. Uh, ter- uh, Terry, the newspaper guy, did not raise his pistol. Langvin, who had already first raised his, then lowered his and backed out. So oh no shot was fired. God. So no one shot at each other. Pussies. But raising it first means you win? Or is it like... Being in sales, where the last person. Are. Well, I, th- I don't, I don't know if there's a win. But I feel like the the guy who didn't lift his gun is more of a badass because the other guys lifted his gun and aimed it at you, and you've gone whatever. Kill me. More right, of a badass or more of a coward? I don't know. But he's more still standing there, right? So I don't know. But I guess yeah, not doing it means that the other guy's not going to shoot you because you're not a threat to him. It's an interesting tactic. Tired. Tired. I remember that when I'm in a duel. But, I mean, if you, you've said, challenged you to a duel with pistols, and then you don't shoot him, what's the point, mate? It's a waste of our time. Well, that's what the, the press started, even reported on that and said it was just a waste of time and a farce. Uh, then uh, we've got poor 
Uh, would, would it have been legal for him to kill him? Is it like at the I time? I don't think so. No. So what's the point of it? Oh, that's such a weird it's thing. It's so weird. So he would have been done for murder. <laughs> Probably. So then, like, oh. idiots. Idiots. This is why we can't trust men to do anything. I don't know why I said Word. That. Well, it's because it's, it's, cause it's true. Mm. Well, Swedish, the Swedish Academy of Sciences in Stockholm, who the people presenting the Nobel Prizes, asked Mari to not attend the... Nobel Prize award ceremony until she had cleared her name. She matter-of-factly replied that she had received the award the award for her discoveries, not her personal life. Nice. And they backed down. And since when do you have to, like, prove your innocence like that? Amari gathered all her strength and gave her Nobel lecture on December 11th in Stockholm. She declared that she also regarded this prize as a tribute to Pierre. Aww. So that was a big thing for her to show up and stand up in front of everyone. Because he's dead. Ah. This enormous effort completely drained her of all her strength. She sank into a depressed state. She was hospitalised and then travelled to England to live with a friend to hide away from the press and recover. A whole year passed before she would work again. Man, she kicked on for ages. Is she like glowing in the dark or anything? Yeah, she's doing amazingly well. And she's going to do even more amazing things. In 1914, World War I breaks out. Spoiler alert. She herself took a train to Bordeaux. And the train was overloaded with people, overloaded with people tra- uh, leaving Paris for a safer refuge, so they were leaving the city. But what she had done, she had a different reason for her journey. She had with her a heavy 20-kilo lead container in which she'd rep- uh, placed her valuable radium, her stash of the stuff she's been making. She stashed the radium in a bank vault in Bordeaux and then went back to Paris. So most people are leaving. And she was like, no, I just want to look after my radium. I imagine the be- she'll get sweet rent now because she was having to be in that little cold place. Now that everyone's pissed off. Oh, she would probably move, get to live downstairs. Hang, hang in a palace or something. Mm. Big shed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Curie saw a need for field radiological centres near the front lines to assist battlefield surgeons. So after a quick study of radiology, anatomy, and automotive mechanics, she procured X-ray equipment, Ooh. vehicles, and generators, and developed modal, mobile radiography units, which came to be known popularly as Petite Curie or Little Curies. She became the director of the Red, Co- Red Cross Radiology Service and set up France's first military radiology centre. Where she invented penicillin. I'm afraid not. What but the fuck did she invent? It is estimated... <laughs> I'm so disappointed. She's, a, she's already won two Nobel Prizes. Yeah. Not no, I'm not impressed. Are you impressed? It was estimated that over one million wounded soldiers were treated with her X-ray yeah, units. Yeah, whatever. Invent something good. It's pretty cool. No. And did they get radioactive? Radioactive poisoning or whatever. Radi- what do you call that thing? The radio- radiation poisoning. Radiation poisoning. Radioactive Nothing poisoning. Nothing was in s- small enough units to not uh, kill people. So they'd figure that out by now. No. In her life, she never admitted what she, that she thought that radiation was bad. Right. She just didn't know. Uh, in she 19- never admitted it. Yeah. I think that maybe people started questioning it, but then she never said that. In, 18, in 1921, towards the end of her life, Mari was welcomed triumphantly when she toured the United States to raise funds for research on radium. So there's all this stuff about x-rays and medical stuff and um, using radiation to treat cancer and stuff so that she's starting up that kind of stuff. Mari rarely granted interviews but did so to a prominent American female journalist known as Missy. Oprah Winfrey. (laughs) Well, she's got a sweet name. She's just called Missy. Mary Maloney. Missy. Who organized one of the largest and most successful research funding campaigns the world has ever seen. So they wanted to raise money to get more radium to do experiments. Good job, Missy. 
This is weird. In 1921, US President Warren G. Harding received her at the White House to present her with one gram of radium collected in the United States. So we do imagine a, a president handing someone radioactive material. It's there you go. It's kind of like somebody giving us a podcast. There you go. Gee, thanks. I already have so many. Oh, no, no, she, she wanted more. No, she did want more. That was what they were raising money for, yeah. Oh, it's just a joke, Dave. Well, we want more podcasts too, Dave. Yeah, please hand them in. Figure it out, mate. <laughs> uh, see, Tewood Universities became the recipient of some 20 distinctions in the form of honorary doctorates, medals, and memberships in academies. Membership to a local civic video. Oh, the Rotary Club. Costco. And, uh, two, two for one deals at Grilled Burgers. Pretty good. Apex, uh, the Lions Club. Mm-hmm. All the old men clubs. All the good ones, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Curie visited Poland for the last time in early 1934 and died from leukemia in July 1934 at age 66. She made it to 66. Oh, and it was leukemia. 66, same age as our man from a few weeks ago. Oh, the 66 club. The 66 club. Let's Not as good as the 69 club, but 66. Uh, she was interred at a cemetery in southern suburbs of Paris alongside Pierre. And then 60 years later, in 1995, in honour of their achievements, the remains of both were transferred to the uh, Pantheon in Paris. She became the first woman to be honoured with interment in the Pantheon for her own merits. Oh, that's nice. Hmm. What were other people? Just uh, just plus ones. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Wives of kings and stuff like that. One. Yeah, uh, before he died, he said I could be his plus one. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, come on in. Oh, I'm not dead yet. Oh, this is awkward. Yeah. Dug the hole. <laughs> uh, because of the their levels of radioactive <laughs> contamination. <laughs> <laughs> this has been my favourite episode yet. <laughs> I think my beach house joke may be the best joke I've ever said. <laughs> You're laughing at that. <laughs> no, I was laughing at you, and then I was just thinking, was "This is fun." Just basically just said, <laughs> just laughing at a thing I said earlier. <laughs> no, I didn't. Remember that thing I said 15 minutes ago? How fucking funny was that? <laughs> I was laughing at you, like I've already dug the hole. That's funny. Thank you. It's no beach house. Well, of course, it's not even on the scale. Beach houseium is what the this element that we've discovered will be called. Uh, because of their levels of radioactive contamination, her papers from the 1890s are. St- Considered too dangerous to handle. Me paper's all radioactive. (laughs) Oh, no. Even her cookbook is highly radioactive. Her papers are kept in lead-lined boxes and those who wish to consult them must wear protective clothing and sign a form saying they accept the risks of handling materials. That's That's awesome. What was its um, shelf life again? 1,600 years. Half-life. Half-life, yeah. Uh, Half-shelf. We're just going to quickly go through her, her a little legacy and then what her kids did to wrap up. Um, she left a huge legacy, has been honoured in many ways. Poland and France declared 2011 the year of Marie Curie. Well, I mean, it was a bit late. And uh, the United so Nations declared that that would also be the International Year of Chemistry, so five years ago, guys. The element with the atomic number 96 was named Curium in honour of her and her husband. So that's probably another one you haven't heard of, Aww, but it's on the table, Curium. nice. Named after them. In 2007, a metro station in Paris was renamed to both uh, to honour both of the Curies. Uh, several universities are named after her and her husband. 
And her Paris lab has been preserved as the museum or Musée Curie. She's been featured on Polish banknotes and the old 500 franc note in France before it was replaced by the euro had her face on it. Oh, that's cool. But my personal favourite is an African stamp from Mali, Togo and Zambia meant to honour Curie actually showed a picture of the actress Susan Mary Frontzak who was portraying her in a photo. <laughs> so they accidentally put a photo of the actress on their stamp. That's I love that. Yeah, Whoops. That is a fun fact. Is that a fun fact? Yeah. Perhaps her biggest legacy is her family, many of whom became famous scientists. The Curie's daughter... We're going to know some names here. Irene. Oh, Hitler. Their daughter Irene, together with her husband Frederick, won the 1935 Nobel Prize for Chemistry for their discovery of artificial radioactivity. Oh, my God. Their two children are both esteemed scientists. Oh, wow. Her grandchildren. So that... was, Was she one of the kids in that super gang? Yeah. Yes, one of the super gang went the on to be minutes. a Nobel Prize winning. No kidding. That's that's great. Uh, the Curie's second daughter, Eve, the younger one, did not become a scientist, but did write a famous biography of her mother. And her husband, Henry Lebois, was the director of UNICEF when it won the Nobel Peace Prize in 1965. Oh, wow. Nobel Prize is coming out there bloody yeah. wazoo. <laughs> and uh, he accepted the award at the ceremony. Amazing. So, and uh, Eve also lived to be 102, which I thought was quite wow. impressive. She didn't. She didn't become a scientist. But yeah, she's she a, she's didn't a disappointment. Get but... Weird radioactive early death. So. Sadly, not. exactly. Pros and cons. Swings roundabouts. Yeah. Uh, now the weirdest one, and the final note is Paul Langvin. You know the guy that Mary was accused of having an affair with. Yeah. The uh, fashion designer. Mm-hmm. Karl Lagerfeld. Karl Lagerfeld. <laughs> His grandson Mikkel, who was also a nuclear physicist, and the granddaughter. Of Mari Helene, also a nuclear physicist, got married. Aww. So the granddaughter of the person she had an affair, grandson of the person she had an affair with, and her granddaughter got together. That's nice. So she did got, have an affair. Got married. Alleged, not sure. And uh, their son, this is the final thing, is also a famous astrophysicist. Ooh. So the family is crazy scientific. But there you go, there you go. Um, Marie Curie, the. Also, she invented penicillin. Bye! <laughs> Yes, yes, she did. <laughs> I can't confirm, nor den- I can deny. I can, I can deny. But they- see, nothing in there was was the moment where I went, "Oh, that's what I was thinking of." Yeah, there was none of that. But she did a lot of I, great look, stuff. I actually knew sweet fuck all about her then. Yeah. Oh, that's cool to know because she's, right, and I guess you know, one of the most influential scientists and one of the most yeah incredible women I've ever read about. So yeah, I think people very should cool. should know about her. What a lady! Good job, Dave. Thanks, everybody. Sorry that we were dicks, but we always are. Yeah. Yeah, don't apologise. You're just going to do it again next week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we are. Can't wait. Can't wait. But if you want to tell us what to be dicks about next week, (laughs) uh, as always, you can jump on Facebook. Do go on. You find us on there. Twitter, do go on pod. Email, do go on pod at gmail.com. You know the stuff by now. Or maybe you don't. Um, We have a big hat of suggestions that we... uh, I always dip into. Matt dips into. You're bloody, you're in and out of the hat, Dave. I'm Commit in and to out. the hat. Commit to the hat. I don't know, but I, f- I start reading stuff and I hear about, like, Marie and I'm like, I had another topic lined up for this week, and then I started reading about her. A hat topic? Yes, it was. It was a hat topic. I'm, fr- I'm sorry to betray the hat, but I just, I got excited about her. Hey, don't, hey, don't apologise for getting excited for knowledge, Dave. Thank you. Thank That's you so much. That's what Marie Curie would have wanted you to do. You know what she would have wanted you to do? And that is to give us a five-star review on iTunes. How dare you exploit her like that? No, well, well exploited. Well exploited. Everything else is bloody named after her. Why don't we rename the podcast Marie Curie 
Go on. What? <laughs> Do Marie Curie. No, that's that's porno, surely. <laughs> a so really, a really niche penicillin. porno. Alexander Fleming, the Scottish scientist. No, I don't think that's right. Yeah, well, I don't know why he, it's, it's kind of embarrassing that Dave got that so wrong. It's like he just did a whole hour podcast. I know. I, that actually was from the hat. Someone suggested, yeah, do the guy that did penicillin. I'm like, yeah, Marie Curie. Bang, I'll do it. Oh, God. Oh, no. An hour and a half later. No, no dice. Anyway. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Um, yeah, get in contact if you want to. And uh, we'll see you next week for another delicious... Uh, this is probably my last episode focused about radiation, I will say. Yeah, that's, Good call. that's two in a row two in a row for me, yeah. That's sort of how I got onto it, though. It's got fascinating right. radiation. Awesome. Thanks so much, guys. Bye. Bye. Penicillin. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks. You're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen.